Welcome to the Phantom Zone. Hello, in this week's episodes. First is secret. It's big trouble in China. Everyone gets a bit of torture, including us. And this might be the end of Isabel. Then, in Lucy, Lucy Lane storms into town and it's not all what it seems. Also, more crystal shenanigans. This is the Small World Chronicles. Hello, welcome back. I'm Ben Gonzalez, joined as always by Alan Muir. Did you know that there's... Have you ever you've seen Airplane, right? Yeah, the movie, yes. Did you know it's, it's... I don't want to say based off. It's sort of like a parody of a movie called Zero Hour. Yeah, yeah it's a goof on... Because um, they did a bunch of those. It was like how Scary Movie was a goof on Scream. There was like... Uh, I think it was like one or two. But yeah, there was like a bunch of those kind of sky... Oh, no. Um, I mean, like, they're actually, like, seen... Oh, it's, like, directly pulled? Yeah. <laughs> it's The whole thing is wild. Like, that's where they got... That's where most people got the... I, sh- I chose wrong time to stop doing so-and-so. Mm-hmm. It's from from that movie. And, that, and it came out in, like, the 50s. Oh, wow, really? Okay. Yeah, it came out in 57. Yeah, so, like... Yeah, no, this is... This is an episode that makes you question why. Why and watch it? And it's, and it's got the... The good, the good ones writing it. It's got Saunders and Peterson, the future show writer. Yeah. Which it's just like I, I think the problem is because it is the culmination of a side plot that no one gave a crap about. Yeah. So all of our annoying Lana, Jason, uh, Jason's bomb, Lex, garbage, kind of comes to a head at this point. We get a little bit more down the line, but this is like the big. This entire episode is that, and we start with the. With Clark wondering whether or not he's going to go to college when all of a sudden he gets a mysterious uh, messenger package from the late Dr. Swan. Um, or no, he, he gets but, it. And then uh, simultaneously, uh, Martha were, and Jonathan are watching footage saying that, like, we have news from in New York. Uh, Virgil Swan has passed away. And this was, yes, I think, their so, way of. I mean, yeah, because he had passed, passed away like a year prior. Yeah. So last that we had saw him, he had the key. So basically simultaneously as his death is announced, Clark is getting this package. He opens it and it's the key. So obviously in the world, he had some setup where Clark would get it in his demise. Um, so basically what comes with the key is a message saying that Clark has to finish his mission um, and he must find his father to do that. And he has the key. Clark takes it to the cave, puts the key in the slot, and Jarrell talks to him. And basically, we get the massive lore drop about the stones, and that you know the stones were meant for him, um, and that if humans were to unite them, it could destroy the world possibly. And I don't—is this where like Jor-El basically says that they contain like all the knowledge of Krypton? Yeah, yeah. So Which, if it gets in the wrong hands, could could be yeah. disastrous. So Clark goes back home. Jonathan and Clark are arguing about it, and Martha tries to remind them that. You know, ever since, like, they kind of got, like, ever since she was able to strip him of being Kal-El and his destiny, that they've had old Clark back. And then Clark basically goes, like, yeah, it's really nice that everything is normal, but he's not normal. And that basically everything that he's done has been a test to prepare him for his search for the stones. Which they basically, they, they reuse this trope constantly over and over again. Like, oh, everything I've done has been leading me up to here. And it's the, the stones. Then, and then it's 
They end yeah. up just not in the series finale. Then as as like yeah. finish over the whole show. Yeah, it's like it's the stones, it's Brainiac, then it's Zod one, then it's Zod two, and then it's uh, Doomsday, and then it's Dark Side. And they just reuse the same kind of plot device. So from here we jump to Jason's calling Lana, and basically that I'm overseeing this project for Lexa Metropolis, but Lana's like, Yeah, um, okay, but she can hear the background noise, and basically she's super suspicious of Jason. And he tells her goodnight as obviously the middle of the day in Kansas. Jason hangs up the phone and call with Lana. And she's then called by Lex, who's like, you know, I'm standing right behind him. And that he followed Jason there. And he knows that Lionel gave him a map that leads to one of the three stones. So Lex is basically writing out Jason to Lana and that they're in. I believe he says at this point that they're in China. So... Lana goes to the mansion to meet with Lionel. Who, uh, they're in Shanghai. Shanghai. Well, yeah, Shanghai is in China. It's like, I don't think it's Hong Kong. I think it's like China, China. But um, they go to the, she goes to the mansion and Lionel's like, uh, basically Jason and Lex are actually in China. They're looking for one of the stones. He tells uh, her that uh, they have seriously been investigating Lana's long dead relative, Isabel uh, Thoreau, whatever it is, who's our rival was the Duchess by the name of Gertrude, who is a direct ancestor to Jason's family. Um, Gertrude was also obsessed with finding the mystical stones and sent many maps to like to people all over the world to find them, but they never failed. They failed to find even one. The only clue was um, that they were able to find a map of a temple in China, which Isabel stole before it could reach Gertrude. Um, and because Isabel's theft, that's why she got put to death by Gertrude. For saying she was a she, she was a witch. Yes. I mean, she was a witch, but yes. Which okay, yeah. This is basically Lionel's giving again massive lore dump here. Um, yeah. Lana's like pissed that Jason lied to her, and that he are, he and Lex are actually working together behind her back. So she's like, I'm going to go to China to confront them both. And yeah. and uh, then she, Clark, they, Clark finds sees like goes to see her, and she much says like she never thought that she. She'd be, she'd uh, be trusting Lionel Luther and Clark with this. Yeah, because it's basically she's like, oh, Clark, who's lied to me about basically everything, and Lionel, who's like the most evil bad guy, are somehow less trust or more trustworthy than Lex and Jason. But I did love that Clark was like, hey, so, oh, you're going to China? Well, you can't go alone. I'm coming with you. Even though it's like, I totally have ulterior motives, but. Yeah, and it's like, when is it when they're on the plane that he, or when. When they actually get arrive to the, the to uh, China, when she asked, when Lana asks, like if he if he, like if his parents know he's there, I think it's when they're on the plane. It's like, oh, I'm surprised your parents were like okay with this, and he's like, I didn't tell them. It's like they would never let me come, but I wouldn't let you go alone. And she's like, oh, this is kind of like a different side to you, Clark. And it's because like he's like this is some serious shit that like is getting messed with. So we cut from here to Shanghai where the police have arrested Lex and Jason um, when they're cornered in an alley, and then they're brought to some cell um, underneath the temple that they were looking for. Lex is dragged away by the guards, leaving Jason alone. Clark and Lana show up when they meet Lionel's contact, Professor Shen, who's in this for like 10 seconds, leads them to the temple using a copy of the map that they got from Lionel. Lex is thrown back into the cell when Jason's hauled away to be interrogated. Lex tells him to just give up the information and save himself. When Jason's gone, Lex is like, 
Yeah, don't really hurt him too bad. I just want to know what he like the information he has. Basically, like showing that Lex set up the arrest. However, like basically the leader's just like, um, yeah, I want all the information. You're not the only one that's kind of paid me. So no, I think I think the I think the exact line was there. People, they're more like there are people that pay pay more than you. Yeah, with like deeper pockets or something. Yeah, and then he just they just then uh, they actually start torturing Lex. Yeah. Um. And basically, so they are torturing both Lex and Jason. Uh, Clark and Lana are Professor Shenner out of the temple. Clark spots a secret chamber using his x-ray vision, because that's what he does. Um, he gets everyone to leave the room, and then rolls back like a giant stone to reveal a chamber. Inside the chamber is like a traditional ceremonial dress with like a dragon head statue that has kryptonite eyes which obviously makes Clark go uh, and fall to the ground, which then soldiers burst in the room. They kill the professor immediately. Um, but then when they see Lana's tattoo, they, instead of killing her, they take her. Um, and they apparently never look in the other room to see Clark because he, they just leave him there. So um, they, so I, I just have to say, did uh, the command that like Lex's, uh, the guy that Lex paid off, did he look familiar? Yeah, that's what's his name. That Correct. was he was in another episode earlier, and he was also an Arrow, right? And he was Ryu. Is that who yeah. I'm thinking of? Uh, he he previously previously appeared as Kern and in Insurgents. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Back and he, two years ago, or yeah, over two years ago in, in the show. Yeah, and he played what's his name that was on Lian Yu, uh, Shadow's father that trained Oliver in season one of Arrow. Um, I don't remember his name. And then he also played Ryu in the uh, Street Fighter film with, um, oh my God, what's his name from Bloodsport? Oh, Jean-Claude Van Damme? Yes, he plays Ryu in the Jean-Claude Van Damme movie, which is funny as yeah, uh, Kristen Kirk oh goes on to play Chun-Li in the sequel, in the, like, the not sequel to that. Um, but yeah, so this is, I think he doesn't come back again, but it's funny that he's playing that character. But um, so they go back, they, Jason and Le- uh they basically show that they have her there and Jason and Lex are like, what the hell is she doing here? So they start doing like lethal weapon style torture where they have like the rag, the wet rag and like the cable attached to her chains. And then like the wet rag is attached to the other cable and they're electrocuting her. And basically Jason and Lex are like, no, no, leave her. She doesn't know anything. Um, except that doing all this basically allows Isabel the road to come out who just wrecks the shit out of everyone she laughs at jason and lex um and it's basically like you are looking at the map the wrong way you idiots and leaves the soldiers return this is when they finally find clark um and they take him prisoner but as they move him away from the statue he gets his strength and he beats the crap out of everybody throws him around uh he, he, he hey he doesn't he doesn't kick their ass and throw them around he slaps them around Yes, he Very just Luke like, Cage, like 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 Luke Cage, but yeah. he's not. Instead of listening to uh, Wu Tang, he's listening to Green Day. Yeah, he just kind of tosses them about. He saves Jason and Lex um, until Isabel knocks him out, meaning Clark, um, and goes back to the chamber where the dress and the mask and statue are. Um, Clark works up. He frees Lex and Jason. Uh, he takes them to the hidden. Ch- I'm trying to remember when she changes clothes. And they have the... Okay, no, it's after this. Okay. Um, Clark wakes up. He frees Lex and Jason. 
tells them about the hidden chamber. When they see it, Jason figures out that the map is actually a drawing of the tree where the stone is buried. Isabel's already there. She finds a horse statue, and she smashes it, and boom, we have the... I think this is the air stone. Yeah, so this is like the silver bottom part of the triangular thing. Because the clear one is like the left one, and the black one's the right one, I believe. And the black one is water, and the clear one is fire. I think that's how it works. This season, it's very confusing. So she has the stone. Um, Because the stone is now released, Clark hears the ringing thing that we always hear. So he he. you know, super speeds there. Uh, Isabel tosses him around and puts the stone in her pocket. This is when she's now in a Chinese dress for some reason that she got from nowhere. Um, and then she leaves. Clark confronts her again. And this is where we get the really dumb wire work scene where, she, where yeah. Kirk has the two swords and is like doing somebody watched a little too much Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, which was around this time. Because it's all I could think of was like, uh, this is so like, I was like, wire work did not age well. Like, this style of wire work, and it looks so uh, bad. What was the movie that came out around this time? It was... Um, the big one was Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon that, like, did the real big wire work stuff. No, was, I, it, it was a comedy. It was it was sort of Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon type of stuff, but it was with... Kung sports. Fury? Is it the one where the guy makes nunchucks out of squirrels? I think you're, think, you're, I think you're talking about, you're thinking of Kung Pao and the Fist. Yes, that's what I'm thinking of. Which was uh, that in uh, in and of itself was a great movie. Yes. Uh, what is is it? Um, are you talking about the Stephen Chow one that is the oh my god, Kung Fu Hustle? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the Stephen Chow. One. I think that's a little after this. Which I love that movie. That movie's awesome. Which is hilarious because, as I said, Bloodsport before the big bad guy at the end of that is the bad guy from Bloodsport. Wow. Yeah, he's just like old as shit. But yeah, that movie's amazing, and it has like some awesome fight scenes. And yes, that is like wire work to use at its best. But like, it's like, but it's also played as a goof, like when the guy uses what is like a bullfrog style or something at the end. Um, so we have this like terrible fight scene here. Um, she actually uses her magic. She hurts Clark, um, but Clark gets the stone anyway. But when they both go to, or I can't remember who she, they go to go to pick it up, and Isabel blasts him. That causes Lana to reemerge, but the stone is gone. So from here, we cut to Smallville. Clark and Lana talk about the whole thing, about um, how this thing for the stones has changed them both. And Lex has a conversation with Lionel, who's like, I don't know who paid the soldiers to torture you guys, but if you're looking for the stones, you will, like, it won't help you gain peace. It'll just like make everything worse. Jason shows up and tries to talk to Lana, who's just like, go fuck yourself, you lied to me. Um, and then Jason's like, look, I'm the one that took the stone and I want you to have it and not my mother. Um, because I know it's like important to whatever the hell's going on with you. So Lana takes it. It's in like this weird red, like Asian napkin cloth. Yeah. It's got the, how the house of L, uh, or this version of the house of L. Yeah. It's got like the figure eight symbol instead of like an S. Which I actually like all the lore stuff with Krypton that they do in the show. So, like, I don't mind it being a slight different. It makes more sense than it being a straight-up S from our alphabet. So, Clark goes and talks to his parents, and he's like, yeah, I didn't get the stone. But I did get one last email from Dr. Swan. And basically, he's like, I have an associate, Dr. Crosby, to give you the stone that he found from Lionel. No, that she found. 
that she found. Oh yeah, that's right. Because it's uh, what's her name? Kidder. Yeah, Margot Kidder. But he's like, she never gave me the stone, and she's gone. Com- she's dropped off the face of the earth, which we'll find out. She's not off the face of the earth. She's six feet, six feet under it. Uh, and, and and poorly explained for. <laughs> oh my god, it's so poorly explained. <laughs> it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, so we go back to the Karachi caves. Kark enters the little chamber, and the crystal fire is still sitting there. And he's just like, we kind of hear, we are able to hear Christopher Reeve's voice. And it says, Kellel, you must write your own destiny. And that's where this ends. Literally the best part of the entire episode is that. The Christopher Reeve part. At the uh, end. I just want to sh- just, there's a lot, there's a line that Lex says when, uh, like, when him and Lionel are talking, near, near, like, near the end of the episode. Even though pistol whipping wasn't exactly my idea of fun, it's good to have the old dad back. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, this uh, the only good thing about this episode is Christopher Reeve. Yeah, the, the episode is just it's the culmination of just like this bad story that leads us to something awesome for season five. And that's kind of all this is all just a long, dragged out like side story that has, I guess, some consequences in the long run. But more or less, it's just like, oh, we need Clark to get this thing, but the getting that thing can't be too easy. And then how do we? figure out how to involve Lana in it. Magic. Basically, the only thing that this does is reveal that, like, Clark is, can be hurt by magic, and Kryptonians have been on Earth for, like, crazy long time. Like, somehow they turned... It's the I guess it's the one part of the, the mythology I don't like, where they kind of turn Crypt- Earth into, like, Krypton's rite of passage to, like, go and fuck with people, like humans at some point. Yeah. Okay. Because it... it did you catch the uh, Easter egg? Oh uh, no! What was the Easter egg? The the name of like the news anchor or the news like the the guy the person they throw to when? Oh uh, no! I did not. Tom Flores, who is a producer, who he, he was very producer on Smallville. He went on to do to do um, the one hundred. Oh, okay. Which a lot actually quite a, quite a lot of the Smallville like crew would go when when did. Yeah, well, it's because it's all the CW shows are filmed in Vancouver, kind of a thing. So they all work on everything, which is why all these people keep popping up, which will play into the next episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, speaking of, from this episode, or from the next the, the episode we're about to talk about, from that episode to, I want to say, I think it's episode, it's episode two of season 10. So from, for a good five Four, four, like five, five and a half years. Allison Mack is in every single episode going forward. Oh wow! Yeah, because she is not in this. She's like kind of. She's the only. She's the only character. main cast member not in this episode. Everybody else gets like full, like full scenes. Like Lionel gets two. The Kents get at least two. So yeah, yeah. that's interesting. And ironically, that uh, that it was the episode that she wasn't on. She is uh, Shield. With it's the one with uh with that with Deadshot, Cat Grant. Oh, I don't remember that episode. That's gotta be like season nine or ten, right? It's the second episode of season ten. Yeah, I have like very vague memories of season ten. It's actually about over a hundred episodes, one hundred seventy-eight episodes. Wow. So. Oh no no, uh, hundred hundred and seven seventeen. Okay, so um. I'm just going to say, I give this episode like a D minus. It only doesn't get an F because of the send off for Reeve. 
Otherwise, it would be a straight F. Like, this is... I actually would say I think this is... As far as, like, episodes I've rewatched, this is the worst one I've rewatched. Where I was like, oh my god, kill me. This is so terrible and dumb. So, I'm not sure if you had any other thoughts on this, or do we want to move on to a better episode? Uh, the... I think it was this episode where it was the ending where the, the ending kind of got me and not the ending of the episode, the ending of like after like in the during the credits and they have a scene, I think is either a tribute or they meant they there's I think there I, I think, don't remember exactly because it's been a while. There's a line where or there's a bit with that they used pre- previously used with the uh, like because for his first episode on the show. Like the his uh, charity foundation or his uh, research foundation for to help people who have basically people to help people people who had his problem, and you can see like him and uh, Welling having some like good banter. But yeah, I'd probably give this episode a D, and mainly due to the fact that we we finally get more Glover. So I did not realize my mic was muted. <laughs> uh. What was the last thing I was talking about? Uh, that is a good question. Did I start talking about Lucy? No. All right. So I've been going for a while. <laughs> um, all right. So even though I've just said all this, it did not get recorded. So this episode starts really wonky. It has a very weird cold open. That's like an old Roger Moore Bond movie where we just see like the skiing down a mountain. And then just just like it's obviously uh, like a young woman. She's skiing and she eludes everybody. Um, the cuts to 3 a.m. and Lois Lane gets a phone call and her sister says, oh, um, you don't actually hear it, but she's like, oh, you have a couple days break. Morty's school. Cool. You could totally come. And now it's morning and she makes a horrible breakfast of terrible pancakes and burnt bacon and basically asks the Kents if her sister can stay for a couple days, which they're perfect. So, of course, um, she can. And then we kind of cut to the aftermath of last episode. So Lana and Jason come back from a jog to the apartment above the Talon, and it's been broken into. But the only thing missing is the air crystal. Lana basically tells Jason, like, don't worry about it. Whoever can have it can have it. This has only gotten, like, between us. It's, like, ruining our relationship. Like, let's just let it be. And Jason's like, okay. And then we cut to the Luther mansion where he's basically beating the crap out of Lionel, asking if he broke in and stole the, the crystal. And as this is going in, Lana walks in. So we cut to Clark kind of being like, oh, now I have two lanes to deal with, but he's actually getting along with Lucy, who is Peyton List. So at this point, Peyton List is kind of like geek culture, like superstar, because she's been in so many things. But she's also been in other things that have been really great. She was in uh, the TV show Flash Forward after this. She was in like two seasons of Mad Men. Um, Do you know who she was married to in that show? No, I, I I do not like Mad Men. Um, she was married to Howard Stark. She was she she, she was married to John Sowery's character. Yes, she was. She started as his secretary in season one. Okay, I'm not I'm not surprised. Yeah, it's like a huge. She's in like I think she's in like two or three. She definitely is one of the characters that like pops back in from time to time. But yeah, so she's actually like good in that. Um, from there, she's also been in the Tomorrow People with Robbie Amell. So that would be uh, the the first Firestorm. Stephen Amell's cousin. He was also married to the actress that played um, Silver, oh, what is her? Silver, Silver Banshee, yeah, um, who went on to do like other shows. I just watched. She's in a show with Kiefer Sutherland. She's done Blood and Oil. 
Law and Order. She was in The Frequency, which was a TV show based on the movie, which I think she was the star of. Yeah, instead of, they adapt, they did a they did a different take. Instead of it being father and son, it was a father daughter. Yes, and then she was in Colony, which I think that was a CW. Sh- no, that was like a weird CBS sci-fi show. I think it was CBS. It was with Josh Holloway and a bunch of people I don't know. It was like one. It was like a one-season show. I'm trying to figure out. I remember the ads for it, and it was like really wonky. Um, it was like a couple of years ago, maybe like a year ago. So that that first scene. Yeah. Scene down the, the the mountain. I was expecting some like uh, Duran Duran play. Exactly. Oh, I was trying to remember the Roger Moore movie. Uh, uh, Vito Kill. Vito Kill. Okay, I knew that it like one of them, but yeah. Um, and most recently, she has. She was the newest version of Ivy in Gotham before that show got canceled. I guess we can't say canceled. They like finished up. And then I, she I think they just got enough hay mail that they, they decided to just yeah. which we also talked about on the comic show, which is I we were wondering, I think they've said that the Pennyworth show is in the same universe as Gotham. That poor, poor I keep, show. <laughs> I keep forgetting that show exists. But she's also in the next um batman animated thing playing poison ivy as well and the other big thing she was in she was in the flash as golden glider aka what is it uh lisa snart who had had a thing with uh cisco yep and then played in both smallville and in the flash her father is played by michael ironside so it'll be interesting to see if she shows back up during crisis uh this year which I would not be surprised about. So well, they're bringing like they're bringing everyone they possibly can into this. Yeah, there's rumor. There's like heavy rumors that Welling is going to be returning as Superman, which will be interesting. I would not be surprised if anyone and everyone shows up. So to go back to this episode, well, I can I just say a quick theory. I mm-hmm. have. I I have a feeling. I could. Be, I'm probably very wrong about on this. The I saw the I finished. I finished Supergirl season four and. The ending that leads into, or their lead into crisis. Yes, they could. I'm pretty sure they can. I think. I think. I. They. I know. I mean, it's pretty clear who Rosenbaum can play. Yeah, they have said that. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. John Cryer. That he is returning for at least like a cameo, or an episode, or something, and that Amel is playing several different versions of Oliver. And I think Gustin's playing, like, they're all playing several different versions of themselves. So we might get some sort of cuts to worlds being destroyed by the Anti-Monitor or like a um, League of Heroes kind of a thing where it's like a giant chamber of like all different versions. So maybe we'll get some Smallville versions in there. Yeah, as I forgot if it was in the Losaro chat or the Phantom Zone chat where... I try. I tried dying on a hill for like for Welling to come back as Superman. Yeah, I, I like him as Superman. I would prefer him as Bruce. Yeah, because considering how he aged. Although, because he's also like a gigantic portion yeah. of a human being at this point. Um. So let's get back to this episode. So we're at the Talon, and Lois hands uh Lucy off to Chloe because she has to work at the Talon because that's where she had to get a job after she got kicked out of school. Um, Clark notices that Lois is grumpier than usual and is like, oh, are you not happy to see your sister? And Lois is like, 
you understand our relationship is really weird because after our mom died, I kind of became the mom of the family. And so she got to kind of be a real child and I did not. So she's resentful. Um, she also kind of does the whole thing. Like since she's the younger kid, like she can never do any wrong in her dad's eyes. But anytime that, you know, it was like chain of command it turned into. So anything that Lucy did wrong was really Lois's fault because she was in charge of her. So Clark goes to town with Lois when Lucy and Chloe arrive, she introduced Lucy to Lex, but she, you know, Lucy already knows who she is. And Chloe's mentioned that Lucy's a skilled violinist. And Lex's like, oh, you should come over. And we could, like, I don't know what the term would be for jamming out what classical instruments would be. But basically, what'd you say? A jamboree. Was that like the yeah. uh, country bears? So Clark's like, oh, why is there this shadowy figure that's staring down this young woman? Um, and it's the one the guys are chasing her in Switzerland. Uh, and Clark is like, yo, who's that? But when they go to look, that guy's gone. Spooky. So later on that night, Clark's sleeping on the sofa and he sees Lucy slip out of the house. He follows her to Talon and she robs the cash register. And he's like, um, what the hell are you doing? And she's like, well, I'm sorry. I actually owe this like loan shark in Europe $50,000. And then he's like, wait, what? And she's like, yeah, I couldn't tell anybody because everybody... He's like, she's not as rich as everybody, so she just wants to fit in. And he's like, well, I'll help you solve your problem. And he goes to Chloe and finds out that the one guy's name is Marcus Becker. Who has been on a, he's been quite a lot of, uh, like, he's a character actor. He, he was on, he was on Stargate. He was on Sanctuary. Oh, yeah, this guy. He played, he actually played, uh, like, his role on Sanctuary was, I think think sherlock holmes or at least that that like uh he was like the version he was like who he was the namesake Mm -hmm. so from here clark tells lois they go to lex and they find lucy jamming out with lex and then she gets pissy at clark for telling on the secret and they said she could handle everything and lucy and lois start to argue about lucy's actions until lex is like um i hate to get into between sisters especially this kind of way he makes some sort of, I believe he makes some sort of like sex joke. And Clark's like, here's the truth. And Lex is like, all right, I'll help Lucy out with the money, but only because like Becker is one of my business adversaries. So Lucy sets up a transaction and tells Lex that she only, only she can deliver the money to an abandoned warehouse. Uh, Lex is like, no, uh, I'll hand over the money. So Lex, Lois, and Lucy pile into one of the sports cars for the exchange. However, they get pulled over by a police officer. And he makes Lex get out of the car, except it's revealed to be Becker, who pistol whips him, um, which is like concussion number 72 for Lex. And um, who hands, and then he hands over the cash. Lois tries to defend him, but then the gun gets turned on her. Becker puts Lois, uh, Lucy in the car, uh, Louis, Lucy and Lois in Lex's car, and they leave Lex behind. Um, Clark super speeds to warehouse, sees that the exchange was staged, and knows that Lucy was lying about everything. Um, he gets to the scene um, as the car, as the sports car is being taken in, into the back of an 18-wheeler, Fast and Furious style, um, and the 18-wheeler is being driven by Becker. Yeah, it's one of those uh, moments when he, uh, when he, like, jumps onto the uh, back of the truck, or on the top of the truck, that mm-hmm. it, and he's like sort of like hanging on by his hand. 
Yeah, he like he runs up uh, on like a uh, overpass and then jumps down on it and like one hand grabs onto the truck. And it it ends up being used throughout the series as like a, a like, like a specific for... thing that he does all the time. No, as part of the intros. Oh, okay, yes, yes. Um, so basically, Lois figures out that like, oh, you're way too chummy with this dude, so you set all this up and basically like you staged the whole thing. I can't believe you did this. What is wrong with you? And then they get into this argument and Lucy's like, you can't always tell me what to do. You're always the good daughter and everything you did, blah, blah, blah. And all I was trying to do, like you, dad would talk to you. He never talked to me. And so like, I just did stuff to get his attention. And Lois is like, well, you're a moron, basically. And they basically reveal that like, they both have deep seated issues about their childhood. Um, back at the mansion, Clark and Lex try to decide what to do. And Becker calls them demanding a ransom. Clark overhears the name of the road, and he goes to get Becker. This is, yeah, when he waits on the overpass and jumps on it, he gets inside the cab, he knocks Becker out, pulls the truck over to safety, and the the Lex appears with the police, and then Clark gets away unseen. Um, Lex attempts to have Lucy turned over to the authorities, but she takes his car and drives away. And then we cut to the Kent farm, where Lex shows up to inform Clark that they found the car later, but not the money, and Lucy's nowhere to be found. So, she stole a crap ton of money, so she would have like legitimate, like re- restarted, restarted, but like restart your life money. Yes, but also like major crimes against her. Like that is a yeah. huge felony. So, and basically, he's just like, you know, we can't find her. And Clark feels bad for Lois, and Lucy's relationship is so damaged. And he says he wishes he, they could get along. And then he and Lex kind of talk about like that they never really had siblings. And... Which, yeah, that's, I want to bring that up. It's uh, the way the, the it's brought up. It's brought up. It's like he, he just selectively for, has memory erased from like this. Yes. It's like his time as Emerald erased his memory of his, of uh, Julian. Yeah, but yeah. I guess the, the point is that like he never got to grow up with Julian. Julian died when he was what, a month old. Like he, yeah. I guess his point is like he didn't grow up with a sibling. So that that's where I kind of took out of it. But I get what you mean. But basically, he's into, he's like I kind of thought of us as like brothers since we've met. And it does kind of have, like, a very similar relationship. And he's basically, like, you know, that's kind of how I feel about us. And, like, siblings have, like, this kind of, like, always have these issues. And we cut to the school, and Clark tells Chloe about the situation. Um, And Chloe's like, yeah, it would be very upsetting because Lois has always been very protective of her. And we cut to the Luther mansion, and Lionel tells Lex that Jason accused him of stealing the stone. It's basically like, did you steal the stone? And Lex is shocked that Jason had the stone to begin with. And then, boom, we got a reveal. Yes, which is Lana goes outside to a drain pipe and opens up, like, some sort of, like, a part of it. And inside is the stone in a thing. So my question is, did... This is my thought. So she didn't ransack her place, but she did hide the stone. Now, did somebody... Did Jason... Or did Jason's mom have the place ransacked and or Lionel and then they just couldn't find it and Lana took the opportunity? Because that's the only way that that makes sense because Lana could not have had her house ransacked at this point. Her apartment. I, I, know, I think I know who ransacked the house or the, the apartment plot. <laughs> plot, yeah. Because it only makes sense if it was like Genevieve or Lionel because Jason gave her the stone. So it doesn't make like he wouldn't have done it, but maybe his mom would have. But like it, yeah, exactly. Plot. So Clark. So we cut to Clark finds Lo, uh, Lois at you know using Clark's telescope. 
And basically, it's like I had to tell my father the whole story. And, you know, predictably, he blamed me for Lucy's behavior. And Clark basically is like, you are a good big sister. If I had a big sister, I would want her to be like you. And, you know, maybe Lucy isn't all that bad. Um, and then they kind of like that they are friends. And Lois kind of punches him in the arm. Um, and then and she then leaves. Get, and then we get a new, uh, well, not a new. It's just a perk of being Kryptonian. Enhanced sight. Yep. So this is where he gets his telescopic vision kind of shown for the first time. And he watches two stars collide with each other. You know, a wink and a nod at, like, what this means based on the two of them standing there. So, and that is where we kind of close out. Um, if we haven't said before, this is the third iteration of Lucy... Or no, this is the second live-action iteration of Lucy Lane. Um, we have gotten a third one in the first season of Smallville, which is completely different than this version. This version is... You mean Supergirl? In Supergirl, yes. In the Supergirl movie, we also got a Lucy Lane, but she's way younger. I would say she's like 15 in that, 16. And she's like very, like, because it's an 80s movie, she's like kind of goofy, chummy, like comedic relief in, in a really terrible movie. Well, well the, in Supergirl, that she's version badass. is badass. Yeah, she's badass. Yeah, she's like, she's basically like a secret agent that works for the DEO. Oh, um, uh, I forgot. I, I I was shocked to see this. P, the actor who played Becker, mm -hmm. he was in uh, he was in Catwoman. The movie? Yeah. Oh God. Oh, that's that's a terrible movie. And he and he he was also on um he was on Highlander like the TV. Oh series. my God, he was on the one with um the TV show with what's his name was the star. Uh, was it Lorenzo Lamas? Who? I think the the, the lead of. Highlander was Lorenzo Lamas, which was like a 90s, 80s heartthrob guy. Guy. No, it was Adrian Paul. Adrian Paul, okay. And Lorenzo Lamas was like on another terrible 90s. Yeah. And I'm not surprised that it, it, it had Princes of the Universe. Oh, my. That song is awesome. Yeah. Oh, my God. It ran for eight seasons. Oh, yeah. It ran for a long ass time. They wanted uh, What's His oh, Name. No, no. no that was, that's my side failing me yet again. It's actually six. They wanted What's His Name to do it, but. um. He did not want to do the TV show. Um, I can't remember his name. Who was in Mortal Kombat? Oh, right. Uh, yeah. Lorenzo Lamas was in Renegade, which was on about the same time where he played a former cop who drove his motorcycle around solving problems. Um, you would know him better as the, the douchey jock guy from the first Grease movie. Wow. Uh, yes. And he's the son of, I can't remember whose dad is. But, like, he's a second-generation actor, and then now he's a complete D-bag. Yeah, his father was Fernando Lamas, um, who was in, like, a ton of, like, big movies in, like, the 50s and 60s. I'm trying to see if I can find one thing that his dad was in that I remember. Oh, my God, his dad was in The Girl from Uncle, which okay. I'm guessing was, like, a spinoff. Uh, and he was also in the original Mission Impossible TV series and Mod Squad. Like, his dad was, like, one of those actors at that time period. I think his mom was an actress, too. So he was like Hollywood royalty. And then I think he had like a reality show like 10 years ago. So yeah, those are like those 90s, 80s, like heartthrob guys. Um, yeah, so like, yeah, this episode was much better. I would give it like a B minus. Um, it's fine. Everybody's acting fine. It's just like a goofy, like, it's kind of like a comic book fan, like throw them a bone. It doesn't further any real plot besides like the one Lana scene and the one Jason Lionel scene. Um, except to kind of give more backstory for Lois, like character building, I guess. 
But compared to the next couple of episodes, this is not nearly as good, especially the next one. Oh, man, that next episode is so good. So do you have anything else about this episode you want to talk about before we um, check in on the next two? Uh, mainly that uh, Peter Wingfield is, although he was like a, his role on Stargate SG-1 wasn't that great. He had one of the most epic moments with Teal'c where he they're trying to retreat because like his big hot talk vessel is shooting at them and Teal'c is wielding like this like ex- minigun like projectile minigun or like a different like explosive version. Mm-hmm. They totally just kill off Peter Wingfield's character and the and they the the focus of the episode is Teal'c being stuck in the Stargate. Yeah. That is a show that I think I watched like the first two or three seasons of, and then I just fell off completely. Kind of like I'm trying to think about other shows I've done that too. Like when I was younger, I think I did that with like Next Gen because I think I watched like the first couple seasons because like my mom and aunt watched it and I fell off. My mom loved Stargate. Um, well, Star. I just remember them turning like the aliens into like these weird like leeches, these like leech symbiotes. They were. Uh, parasitical worms. Yeah, but there were symbiotic. Uh, not, worm, not worms, uh, like snake snake creatures. Yeah, that's why I said like they were like leechy. They had like leeches or yeah, like a snake. But um, where we diverge too much. So got, our next, we got a, yeah, we got a preview for, for the next episodes, Onyx and Spirit. So I'll say talk about so the second episode, Spirit, is mostly a funny episode setting up kind of the end of the school year. And, and the end of the uh, the season. Yes. So we actually have six more episodes to cover. So that's only three more episodes left for us of the season. Um, so Spirit's pretty good. We'll get into that. And then the first one, though, Onyx, is one of the best episodes of the series. Definitely one of the best episodes of the season. I've been, um, I've been re-watching a scene on YouTube. Yeah. And like, it's just like... In preparation of, of recording this episode. Yeah. And it is a Rosenbaum heavy is to underplay this episode. And it's funny because, and we'll talk about it next week, but it's basically a plot device exactly how they, that they used in uh, the ending of last season, not this season that just ended, but the season previously of Supergirl, which led to this season. So the season with the uh, porn star on. Yes. So here's a couple of clips from those wait, episodes. Wait, wait. Uh, I just want to say the clip from Onyx, Lex is fully embracing his dark side, and he's got the got a pistol. He's got the kryptonite ring, and has he has one of the most iconic lines of the series. You're right, after all, Mister. You're right all along, Mister Kent. I am the villain of the story. <laughs> and with Spirit, the clip is the antagonist jumping from Martha to Lana, who then ask Clark to go to the uh, to a uh, prom and when and just and when Clark brings up Jason it, it's it's not it's not good I mean it's good it's, it has certain moments but it's a little cringe mm-hmm. so here are those clips Lana have you seen my mom forget about your mom Clark I have been meaning to ask you something yeah sure what is it well I know that it's kind of last minute but I thought it'd be totally amazing if we went to prom together. Us? Lana, what about Jason? Clark, it's you I want to go with. Don't you want to go with me? 
So that does it for us this week. Don't forget to check out all the other podcasts. If you're listening to the stream, listen to uh, Now Comics and the Phantom Zone Prime shows and the After Darks. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Also, go cho- go check out the Lost Horror podcasts. So you have us with Legion of Tune. Alan, you have uh, Lost Horror Games. Yeah, I went... For the past month, I've been obsessed with Or uh, I instead of starting with like well, instead of going into detail on Ultimate Alliance three or Fallout four, I chose to go in depth on Disneyland Adventures. Okay. And I was going like going into the lore of the of, of the attractions, and Emmett and like they were Emmett and Gary were. Well, Gary said some stuff about Walt Disney, like what, how, how, like if if you if you were. Alive now, or at least his head. <laughs> no, his whole body is frozen. I basically just ran through like how when you start the game, you 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 start off. You're not you know you have no parental figures with you, no no guardians. So you're just by yourself at a theme park. Or by by yourself at Disneyland, and the, the entire game is either mini games of, of rides or fetch quests. But I spent thirty minutes running around the, the the park looking for Easter eggs to like the Tom Sawyer riverboat, the Mike Finkel boat rides from like the. During uh, the '60s, 
I tried to I certain certain things were blocked off like the carousel of progress like building which actually holds the model of Epcot I, I it's that is the most high energy you you can you're going to get from me for quite a while all right so don't forget to check all that stuff out at losharo.wordpress.com check out all the stuff that's written there and written under los Haro games and all the other podcasts uh, we will catch you guys next time i'm luke gonzalez i'm alan muir this podcast stands for truth justice and american white